and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every Friday we'll be covering another installment in a classic horror franchise. Go to weirdgeeks.com and Weird Geeks on iTunes to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums, shorts and more that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessaly. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced and no infringement is intended. Geeks. Geeks! Geeks! Hello and welcome back to the Wee Geeks Horror Show where every single Friday we take you through another installment in a classic horror retrospective franchise. I'm your host, well, classic. I'm your host, <laughs> Al White. And you were about me to say, throughout- I'm your host, well, not really. <laughs> well, kind of. Uh, Surprise, it's I'm- Katie! <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I would love for other people to be the host. It's unfortunately, the only series that that's happened with is Star Wars because Alex is definitely the the host on that for sure yes we're at the beginning of a new adventure i'm your host Elway, and joining me throughout all of the piranha films allison holland hi katie hi <laughs> and katie watson hello so what have we three done before invasion is that it together yeah. halloween anything else the three of us? halloween yeah Plus oh yeah well, that was a foursome so this is really only the second time just us three have been together we've um, so never hung out to, if, other than this oh no only yeah. to talk about movies, which is actually probably true. So, people, <laughs> if you listen to this episode and you think, wow, that trio is delectable, then go back and <laughs> then listen you're to you're right. <laughs> you should listen to our much over overlooked series, <laughs> Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> which, looking back at it now, that was a weird one to do. We did that like third or something. It was like very early on. Well, we were all in London, I think. Wasn't yeah. it in London? And we started so we in London and then to do it all. Yeah, but why that one? I know why us three, but like that <laughs> one is. I think weird... it just fit into the time slot that we needed to. So yeah, I guess I should explain because last week we finished the Blair Witch. Alex, as much as he texts me to say keep, well, I think he tweeted out keep my streak going because um, <laughs> he's done three series in a row, the longest any co-host has done on the Weird Geeks Horror Show. No, fuck him because uh, he has him only specific pedestal. ones. If you want to do Piranha, then maybe, but he, he has specific series he wants to do, and we weren't oh. doing those next. Standard. And last week, I said, we weren't sure what we're going to do. We did a tweet um, uh, with a few different options. People voted for Piranha. So, I pre- <laughs> so you go with you. So presumably, you, you're all going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be our most popular exactly. yet. Well, I was originally thinking, we had a lot of stuff, and we tend to normally like to have a good excuse to do a show, you know, like to have something's coming out, or there's something in the public conscious, or it's like an anniversary, so there's a reason to do it. So why didn't we do Friends? Oh, don't tempt me. So scary. <laughs> 25 years. It's scary. It's been 25 years. <laughs> For the rest of the year, we don't really, unless I change things, which could happen, we don't really have an excuse for the things we're doing. We're just doing them because <laughs> we feel like doing them. And it's kind of bad logic because we were originally going to do the Terminator series because there's a new Terminator film coming out. Right now, I was intending to do the Firefly trilogy, which is House Thousand Corpses, Re- Devil's Rejects, and then Three from Hell because Three from Hell just came out. However, Sid Haig just passed away this week. And I was like, oh, I don't know if it's really the right time then to do this. I tweeted it out. I asked some of my friends who actually knew him and they were saying, no, no, now is the right time to do this. But I don't know because 
I don't want any of us to have to hold back if we want to talk shit about somebody and the work that they've done and it feels insensitive. Right. Um, I actually enjoy Sid Haig in those movies and I have some bad and good things to say about them, um, but I do enjoy his part in them. But I can't speak for everybody else who would have been involved on the podcast, so I don't know. So while for sure we probably would have got better listenership by doing something topical like that, also I'll be honest, not many of the co-hosts were that interested in, in doing Rob Zombie's <laughs> Firefly Family Trilogy. He's not my I favorite. Wanted... I would not have been down for that one. You know, after because then we would have done Halloween and those. We would have nearly covered all of Rob Zombie's movies. We would have had just a couple left. But no, Piranha. This originally came up because we have a list. So we have a document of every franchise, basically, you can think of that's horror related. People like write down which ones they'd be interested in doing. And then I like to mix it up. So that we're doing, you know, a different thing from show to show. What do we just do? Blair Witch? What do we do before that? Fuck, I don't remember. Oh, The Conjuring Universe. Wreck was a little bit ago. Yeah, it's been like quite we a lot of We did the spookies. Versus stuff with Shannon as well. Yeah, that was like three ago. But yeah, so I like to like keep it mixed up. And we haven't done anything. I was like, you know what? Everything's had a lot of research for Blair Witch. There's been a lot of research for The Conjuring. Piranha, there's a little less to talk about, which is nice for me. And I haven't seen these films in ages. So my history with these movies is I have seen all of them. I didn't remember the first one or the second one or the third one. I really remember the remakes more just because they're obviously much more recent and in my brain. But this is a series that I've always enjoyed. And I was kind of interested to share it with people and talk about it. I'm not going to say I'm like a super fan of it all or anything. But it's one that I kind of was looking forward to sort of rediscovering. And there are big names involved with this. Like we're going to be talking about some big and particular directors. Like, there's a lot of big directors throughout this series, but we'll get to them when we get to them. Have you guys seen any of these films before? What's your relationship to the Nashi fish? I no, you haven't seen them, right? <laughs> Katie wasn't. <laughs> that was a polite. I was pointing to Katie to go, but you are looking down. I have not. I feel like I'm familiar with them in a pop culture reference, but I don't know if that's just because... Piranha sounds like, okay, yeah, that's believable that that would be a horror franchise or if I've actually <laughs> heard people talk about it, but I definitely don't know any specifics, so I think it's probably the former. <laughs> I vaguely remembered the beginning of this initial one, but I didn't remember the end. I think I probably fell asleep in it and then I don't, <laughs> I've not seen any of the other ones. Yeah, I haven't seen the remakes at all or anything. Or... I don't think so. Okay. I so will just say, to clear up them. as we pulled them up last night, I watched it with Katie. We just typed in Piranha, so a lot of the sequels and remakes and all that popped up. And I didn't have any expectations until I saw <laughs> the boobs and the title Double D. I was like, oh, <laughs> this, is, double yes. D. this is what we're in for. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. It's called like Twice... The Trouble and Double the Ds or something. It's a tagline. It's insane. <laughs> and I'll be honest, that's what I was in the mood for. was like, let's <laughs> watch some trashy B-movies. Oh, you're going to definitely have some blood. We're definitely going to have some boobs. And what I really like about this franchise is we've got something that represents every single decade, basically. So we've got from this week, from 1978, we're doing Piranha. Then next week, from 1981, we've got Piranha 2, The Spawning, or Piranha 2, Flying Fish. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Then in, in the 90s, in 1995, we've got just Piranha, which was a technically TV movie, but we're going to cover it because it is a movie. And in some territories, it was called Piranhas. So we're going to call it Piranhas to differentiate it easily. 
And then 2010, so just missing, I guess, the regular, you know, 2000s, we've got Alexandra Azure's remake, Piranha 3D. And then in 2012, hitting these teens room right now, we've got, yes, Piranha 3DD. <laughs> <laughs> so presumably in the cusp of the 20s that we're about to hit, which is a weird thing to think of, there'll be a new Piranha film. But I love that there's one basically every 10 years. I really enjoy with horror franchises when you get to like go through and see how different decades deal with you know something. So yeah, I'm excited, guys. So Piranha 1978 gets a 5.9 out of 10 on the IMDb's, directed by Joe Dante. Now, do you guys know this name? Have you heard of this director? No. no. You definitely, well, I would say you've definitely seen his work. Ali is always surprising in what she has and hasn't seen. So, Katie, you have definitely seen his work. This is a serious director this is a great great director not only did he do films like the howling explorers but he also did inner space he did gremlins he did the burbs small soldiers one of his more recent ones with the hole like this is a classic director who became good friends with spielberg it's definitely from that spielberg family he's certainly not up to that level he was a little bit more horror but he was doing that sort of you know that there's a you know there's a very particular flavor to that era of spielberg style filmmakers and he was right in there and he's beloved particularly for gremlins and the burbs he's a very beloved like horror director written by john sales with a bit of help from richard robinson so john sales he's still writing still directing and acting to this day he actually directed a john kuzak baseball film called eight men out (laughs) sounds amazing But yeah, no, he's, he's done a lot of work. DP'd by Jamie Anderson, who would go on to do Small Soldiers. He would also go on to do Jane Silent Bob Strike Back and Bad Santa, which is quite surprising for a DP from a Roger Corman film. Music by Pino Donaggio, who has over 200 credits. <laughs> so many Italian works. But he also did Don't Look Now, which is incredibly revered donald sutherland film he also did the howling and ali we've covered him before because he did seed of chucky Uh, blacked that one out too (laughs) (laughs) your favorite and we don't normally talk about them which i feel bad because everybody in a film set is important we like to include dps and music in our run throughs because that's an important part for me of film obviously editing is incredibly important we just don't have the time to always get into it we don't talk about the producers either but this editor i had to bring up because he's mark goldblatt he has been oscar nominated he would go on to edit terminator one and two he did true lies starship troopers Chappie, bad boys 2 armageddon pearl harbor and halloween 2 this was his very first film editing that, this. that, that wow. checks <laughs> that this is yep. his first film <laughs> It's interesting in the making of because you have separate interviews with him and Joe Dante many, many years later discussing the film. And he's so lovely about Joe Dante and saying all this nice stuff about him and saying how he learned a lot from Joe Dante of like how to sort of utilize when you haven't got much coverage or you didn't have much money, how to make an explosion seem bigger, you know, how to like make moments, do this and that. Joe Dante, when he's talking about it, says Mark Goldblatt, basically he would take him stuff and he would kind of go... He would never be affirming about anything. He's always like, can you do the editing on this? And they're obviously editing while they're shooting because it's just like no time on these small productions. And he would kind of like just go, well, I guess I can try and make it work. You know, like, and it would really like bring Joe Dante down where he thought, oh, I've made a piece of shit. (laughs) Starring Bradford Dillman as Paul Grogan. This guy is a classic actor. I don't know him. I know his face. He's in tons of fucking films. 
including a lot of like Clint Eastwood, not the cowboy stuff, but like the uh, d- sort of Dirty Harry. He style has a very like Charlton kind of Heston fun. vibe to him, like young Charlton Heston. Yes, I think it's his jaw. Yeah, yeah. No, he's been, he, he was in a lot of work. He died in 2018. Get used to me telling you when these actors die. Oh boy. Aww. <laughs> we've got Heather Menzies Uric as Maggie McCune. She was fucking the Louisa Von Trapp in Sound oh of Music. Oh my god. I knew Whoa. she looked familiar. There was something in her face. I was like, yep. I know her face. <laughs> Louisa, wow. She died in 2017. Kevin McCarthy as Dr. Robert Hoek. We've covered him before in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Hey! The original one. <laughs> he died in 2010. <laughs> Keenan Wynn as Jack. He's been in fucking tons of old films, including Dr. Strangelove. Oh, yeah. He died in 1986, just a few years after this was this was done. Dick Miller as Buck Gardner. He's got loads of small parts and things. He's one of those faces you fucking just know from so many things. He's kind of like the substitute for the Jaws Mayor. Oh, you know, right. And looks exactly yep. like the Jaws Mayor. It's insane. <laughs> but he had small parts in like Terminator, Gremlins, The Burbs, The Howling, Weird Science, Small Soldiers, Explorers. He's just one of those faces that if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you've seen him in so much stuff. He died in this year, 2019. Is anyone alive? Barbara Steele. <laughs> the dog. The dog is alive. Bar- the dog is still. <laughs> Brandy. The Piranhas are still alive. Barbara Steele's as Dr. Mengers. She's in loads of Italian films, presumably acting with her eyebrows always. <laughs> uh, she was in some Fellini and she is still alive. Woo! Good for her. Get it, girl. Also still alive you is live. Wanda Belaski as Betsy, who's in Gremlins, The Howling Small Soldiers. And yeah, so these people I worked in a lot more Roger Corman, a lot more Joe Dante. To two people still alive. That's great. Shot. In 30 days at Aquarina Springs and Resort Theme Park in San Marco, Texas. San Marcos. Oh, oh really? Is it? Oh, yeah. I think there was a typo on the site I took the info from. Fine. Maybe they changed it. Maybe in the 70s it was San Marco. <laughs> just singular. <laughs> there was just one person there. One Marco. That's why we've roped you into this alley. Anything that's Texas To correct. <laughs> gonna get you in. It's only 30 yeah. minutes outside of Austin. <laughs> You've basically been there. Uh, I'll be honest, the geography of this film confused me because <laughs> it looks like it, it looks like it was shot in Romania or something. It's very strange. So, guys, before we get into things, we do like to paint the landscape of the year. We're talking about 1978. We're going to start with the worldwide box office, which I believe Katie has pulled up. She looks excited. Yep. yep. <laughs> that was I'm counting because they don't have it at the they only have the top 25 and they don't have them numbered. Oh. And this website looks like I'm going to get a virus from it. Okay, I got it. It was really close between one that I feel like should be in the top 10, but isn't. And so I was like, I just wanted to double check. Oh, yeah. Is there anything below this in particular that we should know about? Well, yeah. Halloween is number 11. Hmm. Okay. At 47 domestic. Okay. And 23 overseas. So it was about 70 overall. Not bad. Um, I mean. You have Up in Smoke from 78. And the animated Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Which they never finished. All right. So what's the top 10? So number 10 is The Deer Hunter, which I definitely remember watching with my dad. It's a great film. Number nine was Revenge of the Pink Panther. Not a great film. Eight is one I don't recognize, which is California Sweet. S-U-I-T-E. Yeah, I don't know. Number seven is Hooper. This one I know. 
Number six, heaven can wait. Oh, yeah. And yes, she can. (laughs) (laughs) Number five is Jaws 2. Yes. When are we going to cover the Jaws one? Well, yeah. That's really what people should ask is like, why are you doing Prana before Jaws? But not Jaws. Jaws. I agree. (laughs) The reason for that is because it's less interesting. Like every now and then I want to do Jaws, but everyone knows, okay, first Jaws, masterpiece. The fourth one, hilariously terrible. (laughs) Second one is basically the first one, but more boring. And the third one is up for interpretation because it's all over the place. We will do them at some point, I promise. But it's just like way less interesting than doing the five Piranha films. Well, it did pretty well for itself worldwide. It was 208 million. Oh, yeah, it's fucking Jaws. Number four, Every Which Way But Loose. Classic. And number three, another classic, Superman. Is that number three? I would have thought that would have been high. Yeah. So what's the top two? 300 million. Top two, Animal House. Classic. <laughs> That'd be Superman. That's amazing. According to this list. And number one was Grease Lightning. I wonder if kids still watch Grease. Like when I was at school, that's what the girls boarding house every single weekend, they'd get out Grease. Every single weekend, rent that VHS. Whereas the boys, one was always renting Passenger 57. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Wesley Snipes. Was that Wesley Snipes? Yep, Yep. Sean told me he, I looked like I belonged in Greece the other day, and I took it as a compliment. That's a great I compliment. Choose to take it however you like. <laughs> Allie. Hi. Uh, oh, Katie, thank you very much. That was very illuminating. Allie, 1978. What horror films are coming out? How should, What's Piranha up against? We well, already know Jaws 2. I have a question. Be- oh, that's, that was my question. Jaws 2 is not on this list. Oh, is it not? Nope. I will add it. Did I do the list wrong? I didn't know if that was you inserting your opinion saying this is not a horror movie by not putting no, it on the list. No, I definitely, I definitely should have. Okay, I added it. All right. First on the list is Attack of the Killer Tomatoes! Exclamation point. Which I'll be honest, as I made that note, I thought, shit, we should have done that series. <laughs> I remember you talking you about this and explaining one scene in particular when we did Invasion yes. of the Body Snatchers. And I was like, we need to watch that. That sounds great. Absolutely. And the scene is, yes, literally rolling dozens of real tomatoes <laughs> down a hill in a city block and then overdubbing the sound of... This is amazing. <laughs> That's great. We get George Clooney in the sequel. You should have got the same guy from this who did that. <laughs> That's true. Sounds. <laughs> Just reuse it. Second one on this list is Damien Omen 2. Then we have one that we've covered that we just discussed, Halloween. Done it. Go listen Done to it. us. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I didn't say if, if you're new. I didn't do it. I didn't do the rigmarole. If you're new, hello. Welcome. Please head out to <laughs> weirdgeeks.com, weirdgeeks.com. Please go on uh, uh, iTunes and type it in your podcast app and your Blackberries and find us, rate us, subscribe to us. It's the only way you can help us out. I'm not even going to do the Patreon thing. So don't worry I mean, about now it. seems like the best time. So. Fine. We're not going to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just, uh, yeah, go listen to our Halloween show because that is a great one. Was it? Was it good? I don't remember. <laughs> We're not going to sell you anything, but you should just go look on websites and buy your pet their Halloween costume now. Yeah. Even if you're not going to dress up, you should dress up your dog. Like, what else are they really there for? Dress them up as a spider because those look terrifying when they walk. Although, as I pointed out with Allie, right. is it's like, where do you store that thing after Halloween? 
It's a huge costume. You never take it off your dog. It's just always a giant spider. Did you guys see what I tagged you in today? When friend of the podcast, Justin Law put up a thing on his Facebook today of someone oh dressed as a God. dinosaur I putting their dog yes, to sleep under a blanket. Yes, that was hilarious. mystified. <laughs> I like... <laughs> Absolutely incredible. All right. Sorry. Next on the list is I spit on your grave. I like that Russian accent. That was good. Yeah, we probably won't get to this. Thank you. It's a good title. I do yeah. like the title of I spit on your grave, but <laughs> not the content. <laughs> Another one that we have covered, and spoiler alert for that podcast, this is the best one, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. They're already This here. is the best one, yeah. One of the greatest remakes of all time. <laughs> it is fantastic. Agreed. Second to last on the list is The Toolbox Murders. Don't know what it is, but last on this list, I bet you can't guess it. Jaws 2. <laughs> Jaws. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're going out of alphabetical order. So it can only be. Because I uh, added thank it in. You. So pretty pretty thin year for horror, but it was the 70s. Like horror is really going to like explode more in the 80s. And things are a little bit more sophisticated in the 70s as well. But amidst that, yes, you got Jaws 2. Now, let me paint a picture. It's 1975. Jaws has just been released. And it made $470 million on a $7 million budget. And quite literally, almost single-handedly creates the tentpole summer blockbuster. It didn't exist. And it's very important for people to understand because now it's just such a part of our culture. That doesn't mean there weren't huge films before. Of course there were. But Jaws created what was expected from a new form of like filmmaking, borrowing from the filmmakers from decades before the Spielberg then took and crafted into something that was family-friendly, but also thrilling and had action in it. I mean, when we do get to Jaws, it's surprising how long that film actually is. And there are some sort of dragging moments, which some people don't like. I love them. But yes, it created a whole new sort of archetype for what could be done. So everyone was trying to replicate it. And over just the three years, I mean, it went on for much longer than that. But just the three years from that movie to this one... You had films like Mako, Jaws of Death, Tintodera, The Bloody Waters, Barracuda, Orca, Grizzly, Crocodile Fangs, Cave of the Sharks, lots more. Ali's mm-hmm. nodding as if she's like, yes. She no, I'm just favorites. laughing because <laughs> the reason all of those sound familiar is probably the same reason that Piranha sounds familiar, just because I'm like, yeah, of course that, why would that not exist? <laughs> <laughs> yes, why would Grizzly not exist? Orca. Cave of Sharks. <laughs> Then amidst these comes this small budget film from Roger Corman. Now, do you guys, I presume you know the name Roger Corman, but you might not know. No, you presume incorrectly. So Roger Corman, uh, and I do want to talk about him very briefly. He was born in 1926 and is still alive as we record. Nice. (laughs) Against all odds of all the people involved. He's all the actors. He's like 95 or something. It's still going. Now, he was an absolute trailblazer in independent film. He's known as the king of cult, and he is a name that we've brought up many, many times on our podcast. He was the youngest filmmaker to have a retrospective at Cinématique Française, the BFI, and MoMA. He was the co-founder of New World Pictures, which was a part of helping Fox become a major TV network. In 2009, he was awarded an honorary Academy Award for rich engendering of films and filmmakers. He mentored and helped start many, many careers of directors, including Francis Ford Coppola, Ron Howard, Scorsese, Jonathan Demme, James Cameron, as we will get to next week, and was highly influential in the 60s and 70s. His first feature cost just $12,000, 
and was called The Monster from the Ocean Floor Ooh. way back in 1954. Love genre. He loved exploitation. And he was known really just for like... And it's so weird because he's this... Everybody knows about Roger Corman in the industry and how important he was. But he made trash. Like, that's kind of what he was known for. I mean, he made some quality films as well. But really what he was primarily known for was creating trash. But trash that would always make money. So, yeah, he was produced 400 films, directed over 50, and only a dozen, uh, roughly a dozen of those 400 films failed to turn a profit, which is absolutely sensational. But it's just, he is a strange person. I'll be honest, like, I know his name so well. I know his branding. I know the Roger Corman Presents. I mean, we talked about him, Katie, briefly when we did the 80s Versus, and we're going to talk about him when we get to another series in the future, spoilers, because he was involved with Somber Party Massacre and things like that. He was known for using footage from other films in other films constantly because, like, why would you spend more money? You know, he would reuse scores. He would put mandates on directors to basically cut down the character moments and you had to have a certain amount of female nudity. Not too much, but a certain amount of boobs had to basically be in the film, <laughs> which will explain something that happens, I think, yeah. later on in this I film we're here so. to talk about today. <laughs> but, yeah, he's an absolute legend. And he, of course, wanted to replicate the money that Jaws made. So I say all this for those of you out there who yeah, who don't know who he is because he is a big part of the cocktail that is Piranha and really like the flavor you're going to get from this is up there in the high end of Roger Corman films. So seven years after he founded New World Cinema, he wanted to replicate Jaws. Like everyone was doing the big creatures, as we just said. So they were like, well, we don't, we just like, and he's very candid and lovely about it in interviews. So I sort of was like, yeah, we know everyone's going to know we're ripping off Jaws, but we don't want to rip off Jaws too much. So instead of going bigger, we thought we'd go smaller. <laughs> Body of water, smaller. Animal, smaller. But yeah. many yeah. of them. Although when I've seen piranhas in aquariums, they're fucking they're huge. They're really big. <laughs> like, there are some big piranhas. Yeah. I presume there are small piranhas as well. Then. So yeah, the budget for this movie, and admittedly this is without inflation, but still, $600,000. That's all this movie was. It ended up making $16 million at the box office. This is, again, his films are never going to turn up in those top box office of each year but comparative like the return of all the films he was doing was mm-hmm. great so this really came about because a japanese producer brought corman a script and they were going to do it in co-production with the united artists uh, he then brought in john sales who rewrote it yeah and then they got in joe dante who was a fresh upcoming director was this his first or second film i'm trying to remember now but it was yeah, incredibly early and yeah they just did it in the old roger corman way which is basically he will get, you know, we'll see stuff. His note would always tend to be add more blood and they would have to reshoot. More blood, more boobs. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah. Two Bs. Do it sexier. <laughs> you tend to only get one take. That's it. So you just got to get it right and move on. And yeah, honestly, like watching this movie, I haven't seen this movie in a while. Watching it with that knowledge of this cost $600,000. Yeah. I was like, it looks really good <laughs> for $600,000. Like, it's not Jaws. But there's some like proper filmmaking going on here. And I really aren't going to put that more down to Joe Dante. But we'll talk a bit more about his experience with this as we go through the film. So we start with the New World Pictures logo. I love. And then we pan down to a military test site sign with the classic running water immediately to foretell you what's going to happen. This is where piranhas live. (laughs) In water. As we see two young hikers who are doing the normal out in midnight in the middle of the woods as you do yep. 
And the guy's like, hey, let's go check out this military site that clearly we shouldn't. So they decide to do some, I guess, urban exploring is what it would be now. That's how you get poison ivy. She's wearing very short shorts. Or how you die. Well, yeah. Katie recently had a form of poison ivy or poison oak or something. So I feel now every time you watch every movie. I'm like, like, that's that's poison oak. (laughs) That's poison oak. Well, apparently all these kids have them later on in the film. That's what they I say. Know. It's like everyone's got poison. Yeah, right. I did like this. This lady's called Barbara. I'm presuming it's because of Night of the Living Dead and Barbara from the opening of that. Barbara Steele's role, however, was originally written to be a man. But once it switched over to being a Roger Corman production. Yeah. It's like opportunity <laughs> for boobs. Let's take it. Early boobs. Let's do it. So they head through this place. They find a big old pool. Which she touches, and when she touches it, did you notice this is a the weird eyeball, eyeball? that wakes up? <laughs> wakes up. My first note is: fish don't sleep with their eyes closed. It's true. <laughs> Maybe his like bloodlust woke up. Him. That's what it was trying to tell. <laughs> I love stuff like this though. When I'm like, well, that I don't think that was a model, but it must have been because obviously it couldn't have been CGI. So then you're like, it's either a model or a painting. But then they would have had to animate the painting. So I don't know, but well, we're going to get some something very weird There's some fun animation later, so. in this film, so oh, yeah, <laughs> it gonna... might have been animation. <laughs> I just like how she goes from like being hesitant to even go into this testing facility, and then they come upon a very ominous, dark, not does not look like a swimming pool. It looks like no, it's like know, murky water. Yeah, it looks disgusting. Yeah. And she's all like, let's get wet. And he's like, his hesitation <laughs> is then mocked. Like she's like, you're an idiot. Like let's get in the water. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> such a weird flip between the two of them, and it's literally yeah. just so then she can get, get her boobs out. Yeah, so she'd say boobs number one. It's been a while since we've had boobs in the Weird Geeks franchises, I have to say. No sooner have they jumped in than the boyfriend's immediately complaining about getting bit by something. Now, I'm gonna say this straight off the bat something that surprised me with this film, and one of the many big differences between this and yours is. Things just happen immediately. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as people get in this water, there's no fakes. There's not one fake scare in this movie. Nope. There's no like, oh my God, someone's yeah. biting me. And then, oh, it was just a dog or it's just a whatever. And there's no like build up relief suspense once you're in the water. It's like once you're in, you're fucked immediately. <laughs> well, it says like in the premise of it or whatever, it's like there are meant to be thousands of these things. So it's almost more surprising that they wait as long as they do to get eaten you'd think with a thousand of piranhas that two people in that water would just be like immediately demolished just decimated straight i mean the guy the the doctor they're gonna meet in a second is gonna throw in the line they breed like flies which if they do that pool (laughs) would be there would be no water in that pool anymore well that and you would see activity happening in that water it wouldn't be this calm serene surface Oh, yeah. And it's a, it's almost, I mean, it's a little murky, but it's almost see through yeah. that pole. <laughs> There's no way that they can't see right. what's exactly. in there. <laughs> but anyway, he's dragged straight under. Blood starts coming up. She decides not to scream or get out, just starts <laughs> calling his name, which I love people do that in films when like aquatic movies, <laughs> when someone's disappeared and they're just like shouting their names like they're under the water. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's your sign to get the fuck out. Exactly. And then this bit is weird. I feel like they have lost footage here because then she gets got, 
but we don't get to see it. They just cut away to a moon. <laughs> I feel like her acting was so bad that they could not save it because she is not great up to this point. And then really the reason she's here in this film is because she has breasts. So it's like, we don't really need to see her die. And they're like, maybe it'll make it more moody if we just cut away and then, you know, gleam up to the <laughs> Show sky the moon. and we'll hear her screaming. So it's weird. And then artsy. you do cut back to see her, like, her hands on the edge as they fall off. So I'm like, yeah, they clearly filmed stuff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it was all out of was focus. The better option. And then as she dies, a light comes on at a nearby building. And then low key, soft music title comes up. And I fucking love it. It drops into the water and then it all turns to blood. Yeah. Everything's red. <laughs> it's really cool. So, yeah, titles and then we're going to cut to the Jaws arcade game. It would have been nice if it was just the, the like the screen that we see our lead playing it, Maggie playing it. But instead, they actually purposely show, look, it's Jaws, the arcade <laughs> game. They show like the title next to it and everything. I would love if anybody was that excited to play a game like that. <laughs> like in, in public. I just, I've never been in a rental car facility where they had arcade games at all, let alone relevant That would ones. make them more enjoyable. This is true. Yeah, it's very hard to disprove now. <laughs> like none of us were around in 1978. So yeah. I don't know. So yeah, she's... <laughs> this character. Whew, she's been sent to find these missing kids... Because apparently that's what she does. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Have you it's talked so to her? It's so unclear what her job is or what her credentials are. She has no credentials. Like I feel you're supposed to be licensed to be searching for missing persons. She's not and a not cop. be eighteen, right? <laughs> not be some dummy. So, but she's okay. So this guy is employing her to do it. But it's like, he's not one of the parents, no. is he? Clearly. He, so it makes it sound as though it's like rich people hire his company to find their kids and they pay him to find them. But And, and then, then he, he hired, hired her because he kept saying like, this is my money in my pocket or something like that. But it's yeah. so weird. Like she has no badge. She has nothing. It's, it's really strange. No. And she is the most fascinating mixture of like assertive gumption and then just sort of flummoxed sort of buff bamp like what's the word like she just sort of bumbles through yeah. things but then she's also not stupid but then she's also like really polite at weird times yeah. <laughs> like there's a scene we're gonna get to later where she like asks permission to go into a room and then asks yes. permission to sit on the couch whereas the rest of her like personality is so like i'm gonna do this now and i'm gonna do this and i don't give a fuck what anybody thinks yeah. and it's in some ways for 1978 it's kind of a really progressive portrayal of a female <laughs> in a movie like this because she's just i think normally it would be played a lot more cutesy if you know what i mean she's not that cutesy it's borderline because like it'd normally be like yeah i'm a strong woman and i'm telling people what to do and everyone would be rolling their eyes at her and it's almost that but it's also not it's i don't know it's so weird it's almost like when Such people lie on their resume and they get the job and then they have to just like act like they know what they're doing and it feels like that's her personality is she kind of blends in and out of oh this is what i'm meant to do right now but that's not actually who i am as a person so she it's really forced in some areas and then other areas you feel like you're getting more to the crux of who she is but it's all over the place and we learn nothing about her no like <laughs> nope we like, I just kept waiting to hear, because we're going to learn about him, but she has backstory. She has no backstory. 
I was like, surely there's something. There, there is stuff that was cut out to do with her to like give a little bit more context, and it was definitely more filmed about him. Mm. But this is the thing with Roger Corman; he's always like, take it out, move quicker, <laughs> get to the gore. Don't need character moments. I can appreciate that. It's not really necessary here. I don't really need to know anything more about her or him. So I appreciate. I that. would appreciate just like when they're gonna have that conversation later. I would appreciate just like him asking something about her. That then even if she doesn't want to answer it, you know, okay, that's... What well, I feel like just that like whole one... scene is improvised anyway. So I don't know that <laughs> there was actual dialogue there. I mean, it's just that he as an actor didn't think to ask her anything about herself. Because... I feel it's almost too it was weird. such to an awkward scene. <laughs> They're just both so um, angry with each other immediately. Like as soon as she walks in, yeah. she's frustrated with him and he's frustrated with her. Which is why it's so strange when she then says, you're taking me up there. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not. And then he's just in the car. He's like, oh, yeah, I changed my mind. Well, yeah, that's definitely meant to be a comedy cut. Yeah. But it's, it's fucking weird. Anyway, man, we're nearly there. We get this grainy shot of a plane taking off, which is actually great footage. 100% this is one of the Corman's. Yeah, we've shot this before. I'm going <laughs> to use this airplane shot in every mm-hmm. movie we ever use because it's a whole different stock. Anytime someone travels. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, it makes sense. Why Why would you pay for that when you've already shot it for a different movie? And now we get introduced to Jack and Paul. Jack is like this old gentleman who lives out in the woods by the river. And then Paul is going to be our lead. He's sort of dad age, I guess, alcoholic, drinking a whole bunch, seems washed up and his life's gone to shit, but he's kind of at peace with it, <laughs> which I appreciate about his character. Bradford Dillman who plays Paul, was originally very unhappy with how 2D his character was. So he talked to John Sells, the writer, who explained to him, Roger Corman doesn't normally use good actors, so he doesn't like to have elaborate characters that are going to challenge those actors. (laughs) But since Dillman is a real actor, which he was, like, again, he was kind of a get for them, they could enhance his character a little bit. So they actually added some of this stuff for him to allow him to have a bit more backstory Mm. on screen. So, yeah, they're, they're, like, hanging out. Jack apparently used to sell plastic fruit. <laughs> but now... I miss It's so that. weird. It's like, <laughs> this smaltzy music comes in. It's like, yeah, but now I've got the river, got the dog, got my booze. Someone gives him a bath. The river. He's talking sleep. about the river. He said, like, the river <laughs> bathes him, the river feeds him. It lulls him to sleep at night. Puts him to sleep. <laughs> And it's so weird. He's it's like, like, what do you got? Really... He's like, well, I was waiting for her to be like, I also have the river. <laughs> it's not just We're yours. neighbors. <laughs> it's like this 70s hippie acoustic sort of music comes in. It's like, it's so strange. Anyway, we're setting him up to die. Yeah. And then what Ali was talking about, our lead lady Maggie just turns up. At Paul's house out of nowhere. We don't even get a scene of her coming to town and someone. We see saying, her oh, yeah, driving like a maniac through the mountains. <laughs> it's kind of impressive. <laughs> like the first though, because... time she's ever driven a car. <laughs> like honestly, though, those jeeps are extremely hard to maneuver, and you can tell that that's actually her driving that jeep. And those things she's, like, are struggling to. <laughs> My question was more: He rented that jeep. That Jeep was a piece of shit and was rusted when she flips the hood. It's like completely disgusting under that hood. I was like, that's a rental? That's- <laughs> it's the 70s. We never Device come back to that, though. The car st- is still working. And then she just keeps driving. Well, well you know, it gets totaled later. It gets totaled. Well, yeah. 
We just see her looking under the hood, and then the next scene, she's driving it again, I guess. Yeah. Maybe we're to assume that she's a mechanic as well. Oh, yeah. She can handle everything. <laughs> uh, not just, it's so fucking weird, though. She just, like, turns up at his house, come, walks into it. He thinks she's been sent by his ex-wife, which is like, <laughs> well, what for? Because the context we're going to get later is they moved there together, and then it kind of fell apart, and... Like it's not like he went, he ran off, and his ex-wife is looking for him or anything. It's, it's very weird. Oh yeah, no, that's the backstory with her. Her ex-boyfriend, he did run off from her, which potentially who could blame him? <laughs> and she hired a PI to find him, and then got so entrenched with the PI world that she decided to start becoming a PI. And then eventually, she actually caught up with her ex-husband. But by the time she found him, she didn't care anymore because she was so. This was being a what PI. they were gonna put in for her. I think they might have even shot. I was going to say, I did not get that if we were meant to get Yeah. That. Okay. No, that's okay. a back history that we don't okay. get. Okay. Which would make more sense with the dynamic between the two of these. But again, like, a PI, like a real PI, you have a badge so that when people yeah. are like, yeah, but are you a real PI? You can go, yes, and you hold up a badge. And probably protocol nothing. that you follow with each stranger that you meet and right. certain questions that you, you ask. You should probably not just like walk into people's homes and then get <laughs> upset with them. Yeah, I do love that he's just immediately like saying it. Well, because she's like, where do you think they could be? He's like, well, if they drowned, they're probably swept down to the dam. He's just so fucking pessimistic about everything. And then he tells her about the army test site that closed down five to six years ago. So she drags him along and it's just such a weird relationship. That's just immediately, it's like, well, we're going to be the leads in this movie. So you better yeah. come with me. So I- it really reminded me of like Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz sort of feel where he's just like kind of being dragged around and then she's sort of dopey, but also intelligent. <laughs> and then every yes. now and then it was been like, the, you could hear like the sound cues that were trying to tell you that was meant to be funny. And it's just awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so awkward but but i'm gonna increasingly kind of love it <laughs> like that well it evens out dynamic, i think their dynamic evens out love. at the beginning here yeah it, it is gets really harsh like f- for me it's the one thing that i remembered about this film was as soon as it started I was like, oh yeah this was the film with the really weird couple yeah. at the lead <laughs> because Without them, without this weird dynamic and sort of, I'm not going to say chemistry because I don't know what it is, but whatever's <laughs> going on between them, it could be very dull, you know, but there's it's they do add an energy to it, right? like the dynamic. And it's we're early on, but I feel in the 80s is really where this kind of energy is going to be sort of perfected. Like this is a real like Indiana Jones or Romance in the Stone. But it's also nice because it doesn't have the man being the kind of know-it-all sort of way that Indiana Jones and Romancing the Stone has where the woman is just kind of like, oh, I can't do anything. And they're this like wilted flower. And But in here, it's kind of nice that they make him this sort of alcoholic doesn't want to do anything on unemployment sort of guy who has no desire like he has no goals or ideals or standards so he just <laughs> does not have a lot going for him so i thought i found that refreshing especially for the 70s yeah, i mean that's what i mean it's like in a weird way it's kind of progressive right. <laughs> like she's she's an interesting character so yeah they head up there paul says he hiked there once with his ex-wife and then they get to the pool he puts his hand in the water. We get a POV shot of the piranha coming towards his hand, but the water's so clear in this scene. 
that they would see that yep. happening. Thousands of piranha are meant to be in there, you guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they go into the building where the light came on before, and I love this moment where she picks up the coffee. He's like, it's still warm. <laughs> like, oh, yes. Private investigator. <laughs> I love how she smells it to find out that it's warm, by the way. <laughs> she doesn't yeah, just hold she it. Does. She looks like she's about to she drink it. She like, brings it, it up oh, to her face. warm. <laughs> Even more ridiculous is when they just open this door and there's a whole lab and in a way that could only happen in a 70s movie, it's just making bleeps and bloop noises. <laughs> it's just going, bleep, bloop, 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 throughout this entire scene so that you know science is happening. That kind of sounded like the Halloween score right as you did that. <laughs> Season of the Witch. Oh, God. Don't, don't start. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> uh, but I'll be honest, that's like there's weird stuff happening here. You can definitely see the budgetary restrictions, but it feels like a fucking movie <laughs> until I get those sort of sound effects. And then I'm like, okay, this is B movie. I also sure. love how they decide that someone's been there by like a warm cup of coffee and not the fact that there's a live rabbit in a cage. It's like, obviously, <laughs> that thing is not still alive after nine years of being in that cage by itself. Poor thing. Well, Eddie. <laughs> And absolutely unfathomably weirder is the fact that we're going to get... Watching them as they go through this scene is a stop-motion animated small bipedal shark boy. I love it. Like, there's some other weird creatures in jars and there's one in in a tank that looks like a sort of... is from Dark Crystal or something. I don't fucking know. But this guy, that's a lot of effort. And he does nothing... He never comes no. back. He does nothing in the scene. It's so fucking weird. And if you've watched other Joe Dante films, that's all I can think is like Joe Dante loves this stuff. Like he loves it. He loves puppets and like the stop motions things. And he would certainly go on to do more of, of that stuff with gremlins and stuff. But it's just so out of place. And it immediately just made me go, oh, this is maybe going to be much more interesting than the yeah. film's actually going to be. <laughs> it, it reminded me of the animation style from Clash of the Titans, like the original one, which I loved. So it was very it's on exactly board. exactly that. It's all, yes. But then, yeah, very he, he just, Harry he's gone. Made me really sad. I was waiting throughout the film. I was like, maybe they're going to have him like climbing a tree in one of these scenes. Like he'll just be in the background constantly right. monitoring what these two people are doing. Just watching it. It's really upsetting. Maybe he's the one who was running the lab. Ooh. Maybe. I tell you what, I'm hoping, I don't think we're going to, I'm not going to hold my breath, but I'm hoping he comes back in some sequels. (laughs) He (laughs) better. That's the only reason I'm holding on. I mean, yeah. I mean, we have to move on, but I kind of don't want to because (laughs) honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen something as weird (laughs) in a sort of properly cinema release. Very true. They're about to leave when she finds the kids' backpacks and then decides, you know what, we should probably drain that pool because let's find some dead carcasses. So, luckily, there's a conveniently labeled drain switch. Just a very (laughs) extreme decision to jump to where she's like, I found these bags. They're dead. Let's drain the pool. I was like, how did you jump from that to that? What if they're just staying in this facility? You don't know that something (laughs) malevolent happened to them. It's like, no, let's empty this pool. She's in Texas. Texas had come out by this point. She's like, bad things happen <laughs> to backpackers. So then, out of nowhere, this old man, Doc, turns up, tackles them as the shark boy just moseys around. Watching- 
just peeps around a corner. <laughs> that so peeping funny. shot is so, so weird. It's hilarious. And he's gone forever. I know. He's probably so he's sad his happy. owner died. Well, at least he has his pet rabbit and his warm coffee. That's true. So in the drain pool, they have yeah. a big fight. There's a basically. tuffle. And they knock out. Yeah, there's a big old scuffle. They knock out the old man, drain the pool. They find bones down there. But he says he thinks it's a dog. But we're meant to believe it's not, right? I guess. Like it's meant to be them. I don't know. I don't... Well, if it wasn't them and it was a dog, then the dog would have had to have been fed to them after the kids were eaten, right? Like their bones yeah, would have been gone. It's weird. I don't know. Unless they, and then they if you this- drained the pool, the bodies or bones could also have been let out to the main lakes where all the piranhas were let out to. Well, it had a grit over the top of the drain system. Oh, right, So right. that was main to they, think that- The bones wouldn't have gone yeah, through. Obviously, piranhas could fit through. I see. To not stop the thing that's in there that they know is incredibly dangerous. Right. How are the- that you just so it was just blocked off, like the fish weren't able to actually just swim out of their own accord. I think, yeah, it was like it's just like a mini dam, right. I guess, and you raise it and it f- takes the All water right. out. Why you would ever allow that to exist, yeah, for something with things like and connect it to the river is baffling to me, <laughs> yeah. but otherwise, especially we don't have on a movie, government instruction, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, particularly when we're going to find out the government's invested in well, not the government, but the colonel. All that devious colonel. All right, so then they hear this car starting up. I love her reaction to this. She's like, oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. She's like, I know the sound of that rental car. (laughs) Oh, this is what I mean. She's like so affirming. Yeah, it's like she's dragging the guy along. So, no, we're going to fucking do this. You're coming with me. I'm in charge. And then there'll be these things like, oh, silly me. I left the keys in the car. It's so weird. And the dog takes the car, drives off. So we presume the old man's trying to tell people because he's in a real rush. He's panicking. He's got head trauma. I guess he's trying to like warn someone. I don't know. I, at first I was thinking that he was going to try and go and stop it somehow. What are you going to do? Put your hands in the water and stop I don't know, the but that's, Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But I was like, if he's going to tell people he has phones in his building, I yeah. don't understand why he wouldn't just be like pushing a red button or picking up, you know, the emergency yeah. line and you, alerting yeah, exactly. people who knew what he was doing. But we're going to learn that he's doing this sort of under the radar. Like this is meant to be shut mm-hmm. down, right? And he's sort of continued with it, I guess. But yeah, I still don't know where he's going. But because of his head injury, he loses control, crashes the car. And this is where the film, for me, takes a big U-turn. <laughs> because the rest of the movie... Let's just put the context, okay? Because we know what we're in for. We know that this guy's been up to some sort of no good. But from the context of these two people, so you have two strangers break into an off-limits defunct army base, snoop around its laboratories without permission, try to drain its clearly a testing pool without permission, and then when a completely, from their perspective, sane and sensible doctor tries to stop them from having broken in trying to drain the test he's not asking them anything weird he's just literally going don't drain that like you shouldn't drain that without asking why not they decide to whack him over the head yeah realizing that you are the intruders attack him (laughs) knock him out 
who is presumably, as far as I know, just meant to be working there legitimately. Then they find him almost dead after trying to escape their nightmarish mayhem. And what do they decide to do? Well, tie him up. Yeah. And then leave him there for the majority. Like, it's so fucking weird. And watching the film, I was just like, these are the, not the protagonists anymore. Yeah. These are the antagonists. Yeah. <laughs> so he tells them about the piranha. Project Razor Teeth. <laughs> We're not going to get all of it yet. But he said they breed like flies. And then he just keeps chanting, they're going to kill us. They're going to kill all of us. Not if you don't get in the water. It's true. Most people aren't in the water. So most people are fine. Yeah. And the people are in the water. You just tell them to get out of the water. Hey, guys. Then- Until this is solved. But I do love this. It's like just his over the top. They're going to kill all of us. Does he even does he even doomed. say piranha at this point when they're talking no. to him? No, that's true. She comes she out of the room saying he's saying that someone's going to kill him. He thinks someone's yeah, right, right, right. And then his response is, "Well, I'm going to kill him if he doesn't tell me what's going or something." Yeah. It's like, "You just destroyed this man's existence." I never understand in moments like these in these movies where somebody like a doctor or a scientist won't just straight up say there were lethal piranhas in there you just let them out he just Mm. instead is like they're gonna kill us they're gonna kill us all yeah you're like what are you what's happening he does stick up for himself later on though explain clearly she keeps asking him like what are you gonna do how are you gonna fix this and he's like what are you gonna do you're the one who fucking let out on my fish i told you not to drain it and you came in my home and you drained it like you should fix it which I agree with him. He's basically carrying on from his character at the end of Invasion of the yeah. Body Snatchers, 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> Just in a panic. They're here to kill us. But yeah, so, you know, he's got head trauma. They've tied him up. They've hostaged him. And then fuck him. Let's just leave him and go hang out back at the yeah. cabin. They just leave him there. I thought he was in the bed. Out. She puts him in bed. Oh, was he in the other room? Yeah, oh, so she puts him, him in bed and oh. tucks him in. Yeah. And that's when she comes into this other room where Paul is. And, be, and then they decide to have an awkward improv session. <laughs> but that's when she comes in the room and she's like, he says someone's going to kill him. And then they start having this weird couch move around. <laughs> See? Blanket situation. So, so strange. She starts by asking him if he started drinking before or after his wife left him. And then she asked permission to come into the room, which he's just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you're here. You're already in it. <laughs> and then he gets a drink and she like does this weird like move onto the couch near where he's sitting. And it's only at that point I'm like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> I have no yeah. idea. Because she does it in this weird way that I feel like she's being sneaky about something. But I thought maybe she's trying to like steal something or like, you know, checks well and the blanket that she says she's after is behind her on the couch and it's like well if you wanted the blanket like if you were cold you would have just sat on the couch and pulled the blanket on you no 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 i think it was a metaphorical i know (laughs) she doesn't want to get warm she wants to get warm with him (laughs) because he's got so much going for him i know So he starts talking about how the government, and it's a really throwaway line, like the government shut down the smelting company he was working for, as they said it was killing too many fish, hint, hint, and then they used it for the army, who then sold it off. There's a lot of weird, like, just throwaway extra information. Yeah. And it's just like, how do you how do you live here? 
And he just goes, oh, back pay, unemployment. <laughs> Through September or December yeah. or something. And then he reveals he's got a daughter who does actually live with him, apparently. In that delightful but shack. <laughs> we've established he's just a 24-7 alcoholic. Yeah. Well, and then um, at the beginning when that older man asks him, you know, oh, I have the river and I have this. He's like, what do you got? And he's like, I got my alcohol. It's like, you'd think I that at that Jack. point somebody would have remembered, oh, you have a daughter as well. Right. Well, and I do think it is because, yes, at some point, probably by this point in production, he's gone and spoken to the writer mm-hmm. and said, I'm not happy with how 2D my character is. They've given him a little more for this scene. And maybe, yes, maybe allowed him to improv some of it. I don't know. But yeah, it doesn't fix with the rest of the movie. Especially when you see his daughter, you're like, man, your ex-wife must be hot because that did <laughs> not come out of you alone. <laughs> he's a, I mean, he's a fairly... His little daughter is like a little angel. Yeah. She's super no, her sweet. Her hair is crazy. I kind of like how cute he is, though. Like, he, like, sits on the couch and then he just automatically puts the blanket over her feet and his feet, but he's not being sexual. Like, she's, like, apparently trying to get into bed with him. It, it, it clearly the furthest thing from his mind. I would not be having sex on that couch. That so, looks gross. <laughs> Well, he says, I guess I'm not used to being around people. And then she said, well, that's obvious. I've been trying to hint my way under the covers for five minutes now. With what all this line. talk of smelting and, and alcoholism. And unemployment. Here, <laughs> <laughs> but, so, yeah, this is the point where I was like, I had to write down. I don't believe any of these characters or their back history, but I kind of love it. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love this pairing. So much from this point (laughs) onwards. Like, I don't believe they're real people, but I do believe that these fake people would be together, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're just two lonely people, and I guess it works out. Obviously, when she asks to enter a room, that just means, can I have sex with you now, please? May I (laughs) enter, and then you may enter. (laughs) Basically. I have no idea if they actually have sex or not. At first, I thought, well, they must have because cinema rules. But then the way they are with each other later, I'm like, oh, no, they don't have any physical intimacy throughout the rest like, of the Like, oh, film. they still don't have chemistry, so they must not have had sex. She has a super weird moment with his daughter once, like, way later once we end up at the lake with them, where I was like, ew, why are, don't touch her. She doesn't know you. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm going to say they didn't have sex. I'm going to say he got drunk and just passed yeah. out. <laughs> because they have a flirty chemistry, but not a we've had sex chemistry for yeah. the rest of the film. True. Which is, it's restrained from Corman that there's no nudity. This was clearly a good chance to get some more nudity going, have a little sexy scene. No, cut away. She does notice here the pictures of Paul's daughter. So she knows here, this is how she knows how to definitely identify. And we're learning, yeah, that the daughter's at summer camp on the other side of the dam. So, yeah, here's the next morning. Here's where he shows her, I've got a raft. (laughs) It's really slow. I think we should take it. I love his denim on denim. It's the best. His big Texas belt buckle. What's the thought process here? They want to interrogate this man. So they decide to put him on a raft in the river in public. (sighs) I really have no idea why they ended up on it. But then once they get information, they have a destination. 
but this raft is so slow and they're <laughs> along the coast the entire time that I was like, why are you on it? Like, if you're in a hurry, get on you land just and be run. running. <laughs> it's this so weird. Film. It's like watching The Last Jedi. This entire film is just this incredibly slow chase, but after things that are presumably very fast mm -hmm. and they're just basically picking up the sort of wreckage the detritus of whatever the piranhas have done yep. it's so fucking weird and like you're saying ali they could just get off this at any point why they get on it to begin with no idea i have absolutely no, no idea. idea and she's she's even like will it hold three people he's like i don't know Never it's massive it. it's probably fine let's see and then it doesn't even have sides. I wouldn't trust anything that that man said that he made with his own two hands without any nails. I'd be like, I'm good. No. And this is where you're like, okay, yes, this is a cheap yeah. movie because some of the other bits, I'm like, this could get bigger. And it's so weird how much this movie is just going to be on this raft. So yeah, his daughters are scared of water. So we cut to her at the camp and this council is trying to convince her to swim, but she's having none of it. Love this 70s sexy music that plays whenever we're at the, the summer <laughs> camp. Because they have like the two hottest just... camp counselor girls that run the whole camp <laughs> with the buffoon manager guy. Oh. He's God. awful. I, I've just called him Hat Man. He's definitely a theater <laughs> actor that got this job. Like this is his first film after being in theater. He is so he's bad. He's a cartoon. But that's the thing. He's the red flag for me of what the rest of this movie could have been like. Mm -hmm. He has lines like... People eat fish. Fish don't eat people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the first actually bad actor yeah. here. But we still have these little flourishes for me. Like when the daughter's then like being pulled away from the pier, we get like just a simple dolly sort of tracking shot and then pulls away smoothly from it. And we do get that relationship of fear between her and it. And it doesn't happen enough in this film, but it's these little hints of what Joe Dante is going to do later in other films much better where he just can ratchet some tension and have some elegance in the way he tells the story but yeah it comes in small drips and drabs like here and there old man jack he's drunk by the river with his dog and then his toes get <laughs> i love this scene where he's talking are you gonna listen to me <laughs> yeah he's like i'm telling you a story <laughs> brandy <laughs> so funny i love it <laughs> I should also note that as yeah, soon as we saw Brandy at the very beginning of the film, Ali's immediate response was, that dog better not die. <laughs> She's like, I'm It did it. It did not. A previous dog may have died yeah. in the swimming pool, but not sure. <laughs> it's okay. We didn't have to see it. But we didn't know that dog. So, who so cares? fuck him. <laughs> right? Right, guys? <laughs> All the humans can die, but not that dog. Mm -mm, it was a oh, cute a dog. Humans are going to die in this movie. <laughs> I'm generally excited for where we're, where we're getting to. Because it goes fucking it crazy. It goes real dark. <laughs> okay, so meanwhile, Paul, Maggie, and the wounded captive are floating down the river at a snail's pace on their raft. And he tells them that they let the piranha... And I love it because he's like, hey, you're going to blame me? You let yeah. the piranha into you the river. You trespassed, um, which is illegal, and then messed with a very... What was supposed to look like serious scientific laboratory. Did you not hear the beep boop, beep boop, beep boop? <laughs> Science! You're just lucky my like, stuff. Oh, someone's watching Halloween right now. Take you out. 
And there's a line in here which is like, Jack says that it's cold mountain water so they wouldn't last and no one replies. There's not even a fake explanation. No. They're just like, oh, they must have uh, uh, bred them to be in salt and fresh water. Like, And this is where they come across the first bit of mayhem that a piranhas have caused, which is his friend Jack and his feet gnawed to the bone. It looks pretty cool. We only see it for a second. But... Pretty sure it was not yeah. that great of an effect, though, because his legs are about half the size that normal human leg bones are meant to be. <laughs> it's just like they do it so fast that I almost like rewound it. But I'm really bad at the Apple TV, like how to rewind on it. <laughs> and I've done it many times where I just skip ahead and then don't realize I've skipped ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's best not to rewind it. Just let it I come know. at you. <laughs> Maggie though apologizes, which I guess she's just saying it in a way of, oh, I'm sorry that your friend's dead but I felt what she should have been saying is, oh, I'm sorry that I drained the fucking pool <laughs> and, started and now your all friend of is this. dead. Yeah. And Paul, God bless him. <laughs> because apparently when someone dies and you had no hand in it and have no guilt really over what happened, you don't call authorities, you don't call next of kin, you just go, I'm going to get a shovel. Leave him. Yep. Because <laughs> I think he says he wouldn't want to be buried in town or something like he would want to be buried out of here or something like it. but it's just like that's not your you know it makes <laughs> you look very guilty laws. if you're just burying this person so yeah the daughter and the council are throwing darts at Hatman's photo and they're trying to come up with an excuse for it it's not probably to his headshot photo from his theater days <laughs> <laughs> I love this scene though because it's like well she's already got poison ivy everyone does so they can't use that an excuse she's too young to get a period so instead, the council has a brilliant idea. I'm going to use a red pen to draw on your knee. It looks like you've scraped your knee. Could it possibly get in the water with a I'll scraped knee? I'll cover it up with a bandage. And if you'll just limp around, <laughs> I'm sure this is a great excuse. Do you know what I never understood? Do you know like if you go in dirty water, if you have like a cut or a wound, it's like really bad because it gets into your mm -hmm. bloodstream, whatever. We have many holes on our bodies, <laughs> like many places where water yeah, can get into. Yeah, but not exposed blood vessels. Are they not like just like even like the thin membranes in places are not dangerous? No, it's all fine. That's fine. But if you have okay. an open wound, it's cool. a very different story. But I can't. I what I used to get in like lake water like this when I was younger, and I used to get the worst ear infections. And so, I mean, right. it affects your orifices in all different. If you kinds go of ways. underwater. Yeah. <laughs> well, most of you is always underwater when you're. <laughs> But I just mean um, it does access different, like the bacteria in there will affect you. Okay. Just won't get yeah. your bloodstream necessary. So now we're going to cut to what would be more, what I thought this movie would be more of, which is like, here's a succession of victims. Yeah. Father and son out of nowhere. They're fishing in the nice river. Nicholas Cage in. cameo here at the father. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he looks just like him. There's a guy like, oh, actually, no, we'll get to that in a bit. This is what I mean, though. There's zero suspense here. Like, in Jaws, this would be a suspenseful scene with mood. Instead, he just reaches in, immediately gone. <laughs> like, immediately. At which, in the pool, yes, that's what mm -hmm. should have happened to people who reached in. In the river, I'm guessing they don't time. occupy every millimeter. <laughs> yeah. Thousands. So, thousands uh, and thousands. Yep. Yeah, it's just weird. Like, there isn't... This is where it definitely shows its sort of common B-movie qualities are in this stuff. But meanwhile, Doc's telling them about Operation Razor Teeth to destroy the river systems of the North Vietnamese. When the war ended, they poisoned the water to kill the fish he'd been working on. But some of the mutants survived. 
He's been working on them in secret. This is when Paul suddenly realizes, oh shit, I got a kid. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I am currently rereading Jurassic Park and it is very funny reading that and watching this in the middle of it because the scientific explanation that we get here is, oh, the government is paying me to genetically modify and breed these piranhas that can be used in war. And that's it. There's no like, this is how we do it. it. This is why there's a weird frog fish walking around my office, not in water versus in Jurassic (laughs) Park. It is so unbelievably detailed and it's a very believable way that that could happen. I think that's the difference oh, want, between buy, buy science the- and then beeper, beeper, science. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy you the novelization of this because then actually that's where some of these facts through the back history came from. And I'd rather not, but thank you. <laughs> Allie, this is the real source of how piranhas now currently exist. They didn't exist before this. Before breeding. Government. I mean, we should have said at the top of this, I'm really into aquatic horror, really, really into aquatic horror. Ali, whenever we do shark movies, you always do a little announcement to our friends to explain. As, as Sharks quite right. are friends, yeah. not food yes. or <laughs> or suits <laughs> or necklaces. Yeah. Then you always like to, uh, and I agree with you, point out these are monster movies and maybe it's bad for the public conscious still to create monster movies about sharks, but we shouldn't take it as literal. When I texted you about this one, I was like, are you going to do something like this at the beginning of Piranhas to say Piranhas are not actually man's enemy? You're like, nah. nah. Piranhas, piranhas <laughs> will eat you, though. <laughs> sure. I mean, some sharks I know, will but, you, if but you, they if won't you have eat a you. shark... They'll bite you ca- thinking your yeah. food, but they, would, they won't actually eat you because then they realize, oh, you're not a seal. Piranhas will just eat you. Sure. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't it know. Will. I don't. All I know for piranhas is what I've. Seen. I know they eat things. I don't know how much <laughs> they will just eat people. I've been told from movies like this that piranhas will just decimate your body in seconds. <laughs> and I know some piranhas can't do that, but I don't know. Well, I mean, it's just enough. it's a carnivorous animal. It's the same with pigs. Like pigs will eat a human. If you fall in a pig trap, oh, yeah. it'll eat you. Like it, they no, just completely. have no standard of eating. They'll just like eat. Yeah. But we shouldn't be scared of all pigs. No. I mean, tiger sharks saying, are though. the most dangerous like, shark. It's and they the will actually attack advice man. advice for this but, film where it's like, if you don't want to get hurt, stay out of the water. Don't swim with piranhas and they won't eat you. No, not completely. But we're just talking about the messaging. Sure. Of it. Like with sharks, you want to tell people, yes, of course, be aware. But don't be, don't think of Jaws as a literal, like that's not how it is. But with this film, you're like, yeah, fuck it. Let's be, let's just paint all piranhas as nightmarish monsters. But to be fair, these are mutants. So, yep. I mean, then we're going to get into Logan and that universe and discuss. But I just said, I was like, they're like X Men mutants. Yeah, exactly. Maybe those universes will cross soon. (laughs) (laughs) So, this is where they very gradually come across the father who died with his son still on top of the overturned canoe <laughs> as they just painfully, slowly trek down the river. This kid is, you know, he is not the the cream of the crop. Like, he's just on the top of this canoe that's obviously sinking, just going, Daddy, it's sinking. Daddy's not coming back. Like, you saw Daddy's Daddy dead. drown in a pool of his own bubbling blood. Like, you need He's probably to floating underneath out. the canoe. I know. I was like, you probably can see his bones at this point. 
<laughs> just say. I mean, he's he's in good shock. But I mean, okay. So the doc jumps into the water, swims for, for what the reason? I don't understand this logic. I think he does it just literally because he, we've had the conversation just a second ago where he realizes they're blaming no, him. No, but is he hoping to so save this to, like, kid? No, completely. Yeah. What can he, he do? Go, he swims up and then starts immediately pulling this kid off of the canoe into the water. <laughs> I don't understand. Yep. I was like, what was your goal Just here? yell out, stay still, so the canoe right? doesn't flip again. Yeah, just pointless. It makes absolutely no sense. See, this is where we get the first shot of the piranhas, little silhouettes under the water. Look kind of like the uh, the little cracker fish in Friends that Eddie uses. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I was thinking they looked like goldfish, just not <laughs> orange. <laughs> I mean, to be clear, they're all just rubber toys, on sticks no but they look so real like, those are good if you want to see it i mean i honestly think they do a really good job considering like there's <laughs> katie's face <laughs> <laughs> look i mean look like you watch jaws and it looks like shit like the shark looks like shit in jaws and that had a budget <laughs> this is just like they've nothing and i think between the editing and some of the lighting, they actually do a good job. I really do. There, like, the, it's... There are other... There is <laughs> a source where you could probably get a school of fish swimming rapidly like that shot and then just put no, red water or something around it. No, but it wouldn't have, have a particular it. silhouette. But you could, you could just go to an aquarium I in like the it. 70s and film some piranha <laughs> and then just <laughs> beat them up. <laughs> There's a good little documentary on the on the Blu-ray, um, and you can watch it on YouTube as well, where they kind of go into detail on how they did a lot of this stuff and the sort of how just insane it was for them, just how crazy. Like the special effects guy, what's his name? Yeah, Chris Waller. He kind of gives his backhanded compliment, which you would not be allowed to do this stuff now, but of how working on a corn production is. He was terrified of water. And they basically forced him to get into it to do some of like this effect stuff with like the sticks and the piranhas. And then they need to do this complicated for when you have a zero money sort of rig of getting them to bite underneath the raft later on. Oh, right. And they literally then just like, oh, no, we need someone like right down there. And he just he was like, before I could even tell them, no, I'm terrified of water. They had strapped a tank to my back put like a you know a mask over me and it's like they're walking me out into it while someone like the guide or whatever is like saying okay do this don't do this be careful with this if you come up too fast you're gonna get this and you're gonna die wow. <laughs> and they just shoved them down and he kind of this backhanded compliment because he was like now nah, i'm not scared of water so I guess thank <laughs> you to them for <laughs> immersion but it's, therapy it's fucking crazy yeah how they made this movie um it's true true independent filmmaking that you just can you can't redo anymore so dog gets got immediately and then we have this insane moment where they're literally dragging the kid over doc's body as he's being eaten (laughs) (laughs) this kid's gonna have a great adulthood you can just see in doc's face where he's like i didn't think it through (laughs) yeah why did i get off the raft (laughs) it would have been fine i mean he deserves what he got but does he? He does, because that was so stupid. Oh, well, yeah. But not, I mean, not like, for what ultimately, he did before, but forgetting. It is not his fault that this river or lake is filled with piranha. Like, it's yeah. not no, his I fault. No, I agree. That bitch should have been the one I jumping mean, in the water. Instead, she guilts him into yeah. thinking this is all his fault. Look, he's not completely innocent. But no, I don't believe this is all his fault. 
but he was stupid to get into water. So, yeah. so they incredi—they just continue their incredibly slow. Well, after they pull <laughs> his body up onto the raft that has no yes. bite marks on his legs. Yeah, yeah. there's some blood his on his fine. shirt, he, which was barely fine. in the water. <laughs> but he's dead. But he's fine. <laughs> they got this kid in shock. They've got three gro- a dead body. <laughs> the two of them, and as Ali was saying earlier. You would just go to shore and drive or run or anything would be quicker. I have than yeah. no idea why they're on the water. It makes no sense. And this is where the prodigy has start eating the raft's ropes. And again, I I do think just from the editing, it's totally fine. Like it's totally yeah, effective it's considering what type of movie this is. Doesn't make any sense as to why they have this body on the raft in the first place, but it's fine. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, Joe. I like, so Joe Donovan, he was so convinced that he was making the worst film ever made. That he spent all, like really, like it was tormenting him. He spent all his time in the editing room until the last second when he had to hand it over to print. And he would sleep in the editing room every single night. And he was just like, honestly, he said he was convinced that every single millisecond he could spend on the film would potentially be the millisecond that could save it from being the worst film ever made. (laughs) And I do think it shows, like I do think, I know you were rolling your eyes at the editing earlier, and this film does drag for a film that's only an hour and a half. But these moments, I think, only work because of that editing, because of that extra time you probably spend sure. in it. Like, there's enough flash cuts of things where you don't have long enough to see just how ridiculously, like, if you just had a split second longer, yes, it's just Look rubber really things silly. on sticks. We'd be able to see the sticks, you know? And to be clear, I initially, when I was talking about the editing, I was not discussing the action. I actually think the action's really great throughout. And it doesn't, like, I was making fun of the, like, goldfish swimming but it's it's fine it doesn't bother me but it was more the lulls in conversation that i found really awkward and i just felt like just needed a little bit of snipping here and there but i'm sure as you said because that might have been just one take that you didn't get that opportunity like you had one take to work with in those shots so there's only so many times you can cut away to the moon exactly the scene continues (laughs) So this is where they decide, fuck it, we're going to push Doc's body into the water uh, so that they can get away. Finally decide to go to the shore. And then Paul runs off like a fucking madman, (laughs) heading to the dam to try and stop them from draining the water. So this dam, when it's about to open, it's like the ticking clock and there's a horn that goes off. Mm -hmm. They should have used this horn earlier, right? They should have said a thing of like, yeah, they do the horn. That's how we'll know. Like three times before it's going to open something. And like yeah. one of them gets the low point really in the movie. It's where things really slow down. And they needed that time pressure. Something to make you feel more something. Yeah. Even like in the backgrounds, you know, you would hear a train or something normally. And in this town, you would absolutely be hearing that every three days. Like he says that they open this dam. You would just hear it. And at the very beginning, you would get the explanation of what it is. And yeah, if they did it three times, it would be great as he's running through these woods because yeah. it would build that suspense of, is he going to make it But he it does. He does make it. I didn't think he was going to. Stops the guy just in time. And then the military turn up and they brought with... Within yes. 30 seconds, an entire military. So I'm guessing military. the guy, the doc did hit a button or something before he stole the car and left... Because I don't know, there's no other explanation for how they know what's going on. Because no one else seems to give a fuck yeah, in this know. movie. 
And they brought with them a condescending no. British woman. <laughs> Who pronounces piranha as piranha with an N. Opens her eyes very wide Her eyebrow she delivers yes. the line. It's hilarious. <laughs> Talented She calls her story. Wow. It's science fiction. Science fiction. <laughs> I love how the girl just goes, she whatever her name is, is trying to tell her. She's like, no, literally people have died. I know, I know at least four people that have died. They've been eaten by these fish. Science fiction. It's like <laughs> they throw a cow leg out in the water and bring it back two seconds later and it's completely empty. And she's like, all right, I believe insane. you. Again, it's like every milli- like every millimeter of this r- entire river has piranhas in it. Now. So they decide, yeah, they're going to kill yeah. the piranha by pumping the shit into the water. And then they offer... For Maggie and Paul, you should join us. And she wiggles her eyebrows at them. Invasion of the body snatchers. But then, seen it. good old Paul is like, Run. oh shit, there's another stream that connects to the dam. Which means, why is there a dam? It's, a, it's to keep the full flow of the river from coming through that central, like, But would it not just then all get pushed through the others? If there's, an, if there's two ways to the other side of the dam... Are you really controlling it then? Because it would just get pushed around the other side, wouldn't it? I don't know. Well, the way that it's letting out is out to the ocean, presumably. Is that not right? Well, no, because this whole point is like this other stream goes round to the other side of the dam. So there's a different way for Piranhas to get to his kid. That's what he was concerned about. So I don't know. No, I, I don't know. That. If you're a dam expert, email just- us, please. We are geeks. <laughs> Watching him try to explain this map oh, it's so funny. is hysterical because the guy is trying to disagree with him and he's like no if you look at the map i've highlighted where it connects it's blue he's <laughs> just like holding up this, this is like, at this point is so frustrating so but at least we are gonna have a reason for this later we're gonna find out yes this colonel has an investment in the park that's opening which let's be clear we haven't heard anything about yet i was so confused if they want to no replicate jaws and they do and they're clearly using this park as an alternate way to do the 4th of July thing that's impending in Jaws to create the tension of everyone's going to be in the water when this disaster happens. We have to know about it. You have to have immediately. Like the conversation that Jack and Paul should be having shouldn't be about how the river tucks him into bed at night. It should be about the fucking park that's opening and how he doesn't like it and how they're disgruntled about it or something. Or he's delivering him alcohol from presumably a store in town. Have a flyer that they put in the bag that's talking about this huge new park. all for free new park opening. Anything. Like it's going to be a and big ideally a couple day. of cutaways. Nothing. You got counselors as well. They should be talking about it for like, oh yeah, going to head to the park after like work tomorrow. Yeah. Wish I didn't have to work today. I wish I could go to the big. There's festival. So many opportunities. <laughs> Instead, it's going to come fucking out of the blue in a minute. But we're not quite there yet. The English lady and the sergeant don't believe the Prana will have the intelligence to go down another stream. But yeah, like we say, it's because they got investment. I don't know if she's got investment as well or if she's just really the most stupid doctor of all time. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't tell if it was that the government was invested in this park and that's why she was being so staunch in her belief. Uh, but it was, yeah. It was I don't know. Like I feel like it's just the colonel personally. <laughs> so strange. She can't, like, this fucking scene where she's talking to Maggie and she just can't stop flipping her hair back. <laughs> <laughs> Drove me crazy. 
drove me crazy. And apparently she was getting kissy kissy with the dead dog from that they've basically murdered. Let's oh, say we were it. much more than yeah. friends. Which I don't know why you'd need to tell anyone that. It's not really. It was, she was like, okay. I mean, too much information. I was just asking. Cool. <coughs> I'm well, maybe sorry? just to show that that's how she knew exactly what was going right. on there, because she was there right. a lot. Just like I, I yeah, just like I created a little shock boy. Yeah, he's mine. <laughs> I would believe it from her. She looked insane. Yeah, she definitely looks insane. So they decide that they should put Maggie and Paul under tent arrest. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what's beautiful about a tent? You can go out from other side. Like you could just cut it. You can lift it up. Yeah, we just watched him Blair Witch. You can just lift yeah. it right off the ground. But no, they they want to break out. <laughs> so the only way to break out of a tent is the front door, obviously. <laughs> and then we have maybe the second weirdest scene in the film, where they want to distract the guard yeah. by finding out if he's gay. <laughs> then she tells him to look into sky at Superman, and then flashes her boobs. <laughs> Before they knock him unconscious and still. After he looks up. She's not even looking at her boobs. Yeah, no. no. If you want to distract him with your boobs, let him look at your boobs. Don't say look up and then (laughs) needlessly unbutton your shirt. It's so, so fucking weird. And I love it because it's just, again, her weird bumbling sort of nature. But she's not played as stupid in this film. So I kind of like that she has this side door personality. Well, it kind of made me happy because normally when you have the scene where the woman has to like be wily and flirtatious with somebody, then all of a sudden they're this like vixen and sexy and she is not. She just comes out. She's like, are you gay? <laughs> she's a hot mess. <laughs> Look at like, Superman. What? Here's my boobs. Bye. <laughs> yeah. It's Runs. Great conversation. I don't know if you guys noticed, <laughs> but the boobs, her face is not in that shot. Menzies was happy yep. to do the nudity, but she was concerned that her husband would be unhappy with her showing her breasts. So instead, at the Holiday Inn where the director and the crew were staying, there was a waitress no. that they got who was happy no. to do the nudity. Girl, have some respect for yourself. Like, hey, do you want to show your boobs in our movie? <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey. I guess it was a, a different time. Um, I'm not, that still happens a lot. But that's the thing. There are the people who don't want to show their boobs with their face, even though their face is in film. So, like, you know, it would be promotion. And then there are the people mm-hmm. who just like, well, I don't care as long as you pay me and don't show my face. Then you can see whatever you want. You know, it's like right. a different way of thinking. So then no one knows. Yeah. So Paul then rings up Hatman, but apparently he's a fucking asshole to everybody. And then they get pulled over by the police. So this is really... I want to bring up earlier, but this is where it was cemented for me. We talked about the suspension that's different. The suspense, I mean, that's different in Jaws in this movie. But what I really love about Jaws, and I really love about Jaws, is their town in Jaws is not full of stupid people who don't believe what's going on. In every horror film, it's frustrating because you're always trying to convince people something's happening. In Jaws, everybody mm-hmm. knows that something's happening. Everybody believes it, that something's happening. This fucking film, not one person (laughs) believes what's happening. And it's so easy to prove. And they just go with the fact because he's been known as a drunk that you can just go, ah, crazy Paul, piranhas. Making shit up again. At one point, the British lady even says, 
you're going to get a lot of crank calls, but they all know that they're not going to be crank calls. But she's like, call the police department, tell them that they're going to be getting a lot of crank calls. And I was like, so you're willing in order to open a park that people are literally just going to be massacred. And when people are that and they call to report it, that you're like, what kind of park are you going to be opening? Like, obviously, people are going to find out that people died there because other people will not die. And, and it's we'll also those people died. it's not a park for profit as far as I can tell. So no. it's not like he's going to lose out on all this money because nobody's going to go to the park anymore. It's like, no, save it before it is gonna be a park something for awful like this happens on your watch. It is going to be a park for profit. They make a point. Yeah, they make a whole it point is. of like it's opening day. Yeah. So it's free for opening day. So come try everything out. And he's uh, like, okay. he keeps saying like everything's free today. So like do what you want to do. It's ah. not really a park either. It's just a lake beach, like a river beach area and they have some barbecue and a band it's like that's just i mean this was the real place though like don't forget when i said (laughs) where this was shot it was called the same name that's on the banners like they apparently thought this was good promotion (laughs) for their actual park um with what's about to happen there i would think would be bad promotion but okay but yeah so our two heroes get locked up in prison and then he's quite rightly saying well you got to give us a phone call and the cop just goes i don't want to hear it I don't want to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) And just walks off. It's fucking brilliant. So then, yeah. Everyone's very professional in this film. Yeah. The colonel rings this classic actor, Dick Miller, who is the guy who's running the park. And this is really where it comes out of nowhere. And I'm so confused at this point. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And he mentions that he's invested in it. And then the two counselors, they're hanging out by the water. The brunette feels like there's something wrong. How? She has a bad feeling. Psychic. It's so weird. Women's intuition. The hat man comes along and is ridiculous as always. Are there kids swimming? Oh, I think they're swimming over there because they threw a rock over there. Oh, my God. I'm going to go check it out. That's about how good his acting is. is. (laughs) Disappointing. Yeah, Maggie breaks out of jail, and I've written down here, she is a fun character. <laughs> she does this crazy thing she learned from someone else that she found once in a PI investigation, apparently, who was a plumber, but apparently had to keep breaking out of things. <laughs> I don't know. A bad plumber. But he never actually broke out in the end, because the other, Paul asked her, he's like, did he ever actually escape? She's like, he got close a couple of times. But, and all she's doing is like, making a leak and then smacking someone over the head. Like, that's it. It's not that smart. Yeah. But anyway, she does it with a lot of fun. No. And then, yeah, they need to get the keys off, but they're attached to his pants and she's struggling with it. So then Paul's like, come on, I thought you could get a man's pants off quicker than that. Which is how <laughs> I know they didn't have sex. So clearly they've not had sex. Right. <laughs> But again, I, I I do like these little moments and I like these little touches like them driving off and then throwing the sheriff's pants at the officer's face as he gets coffee. <laughs> like it's just so unnecessary. It's like you kept the pants. <laughs> so yeah, this is what I've written down. So there's some opening of a resort or something. <laughs> and this is fucking weird because we're right near the end of the movie and we're introducing... What is the finale of the movie? And like we said before, it would have been so easy to set up and make this more satisfying. And instead, it just comes out of nowhere. And yes, they're exactly doing the 4th of July from Jaws. The guy, Mm -hmm. he's even dressed to look like the mayor from Jaws. I had to stop for a second and go, is it the same (laughs) actor? Because it's just crazy. And the councils are getting the kids ready for a swim. 
one of the girls in the background is just looking directly into the camera for the entire shot, which is great. <laughs> yep. And then, yeah, Paul suddenly remembers, wait a second, the pool at the test facility had salt water and he figures out these fucking piranhas are trying to get to the ocean. <laughs> and then he realizes there'll be no stopping them. These conniving fish. They're just fish. They're not so, that smart. Don't worry about so it. This hilarious sped up car sequence, <laughs> which looks really bad. Really bad. One of many that we're going to get. These are some of the bits that Joe Dante was playing with in the post. He was like, I was figuring out where to speed things up, where to slow things down, where to come from this, you know, trying to like get that right. And he does a good job for the most part, not with the car bits. I mean, maybe it would look too slow, but leave it. Never speed up a car, please. If this is how <laughs> fast he had to drive in a car on a road to get to where his daughter is, and he still had to drive this much at that rate... He would never have made it to that camp on that no. raft. It would have been like a no. month later. His daughter's dead. Everyone's dead. And he's still pushing this little well, raft. Well, to be fair, we've been reset because they got put in the jail. So who knows the geography of this space? Because we're not really told. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sure it's very far away. This giant town. So we got a crazy yeah. shot here. And this is where the film's going to go fucking insane. So a piranha swims straight towards the camera bites a kid in the groin <laughs> and then yep. a massacre ensues of children yeah like, here's the thing it's actually pretty shocking but the music is really peaceful <laughs> throughout this scene yes <laughs> a fucking fish jumps out of the water bites Hatman in the face it's crazy and the whole time his daughter's like but watching the mood shift in this scene though is amazing because as as bad as the count that Hatman's acting is his face in this scene is actually really really good because he goes from being this dickish guy who's like go faster go faster like blowing his whistle and stuff and then he sees one of the kids kind of panicking before the fish even bites him he's trying to get his bearings of like he can feel things you can tell and i don't know where this acting was hiding for him (laughs) this entire film or if he was just given really bad direction but he did a really really good job this whole scene is chilling even with the weird like happy music maybe this is the only bit they auditioned him for and then when he turned up to do the drama they're like oh like you're amazing drama they're like he's only good when he's standing waist deep in water (laughs) That's his secret. Yeah, it's crazy. He's fully clothed, like in there anyway. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is it is dark, and it is darker than anything that's in Jaws. Like this is kids yeah. getting killed everywhere. Yeah. His daughter then like mm-hmm. his daughter's the only person with an arc, a character arc in this film. She then finally decides she has a reason to get in the water. Gets an inflatable boat. Goes out there. Ignores all the kids. <laughs> And just goes straight for the two counselors. <laughs> Love it. But Brunette dies, and we have, in my opinion, the coolest shot in the movie, which is when she's getting pulled. So good. Down. Yeah. This was a good one. Yeah. It's uh, genuinely yep. quite chilling. And yeah, she had like, there was, she does some good stories about this in the making of about how that experience was for her, which they did it. And then this is one of the ones that they didn't show. She was all excited because then Roger Corman came on set. And she was like, like he was such a like a hero, and she describes him as this tall, handsome man. She like really is like she's talking years later about it, but she's very like as if everybody had a crush on Roger Corman kind of thing. Which then I looked up, and he was already at this point in his fifties, I think, when this movie came out. Yeah, she was like really wanted to impress him, and he just sat there, and the only note he got gave gets up and just says, "Do it again, more blood." 
That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Paul and Maggie turn up as the craziness is happening and she calls the resort to try and warn them. But of course, not going to believe them while he's feeding a pig, <laughs> which is meant to be some swimming pig or something <laughs> they talk about. No idea. By the way, this is only for us three. No one listening is going to appreciate this. The not mayor, I'm going to call him the mayor. <laughs> the mayor's PA <laughs> really reminded me of Zai right. so much. So, so much. <laughs> Every scene, I was like, oh, there's Zai. That's funny. Shout out to Zai. Hatman is sitting covered in blood, looking over endless corpses of dead kids. <laughs> His world rocked. And then Paul's like, okay, found you, daughter. I'm off again. Bye. <laughs> As the blonde counselor then looks at, looks at him like she's going to fucking sexually assault him later. It's crazy. <laughs> she just like looks at him like, you have the best dad of all. <laughs> what a drunken hero. He, he did nothing to save anyone. He made a raft once. That <laughs> got eaten. Meanwhile, the resort is a fucking party. And again... $600,000. I feel they've already done very well with that amount of money. This is insane. There are so many people. They're doing like the 4th of July thing from Jaws. They're everywhere. They're swimming yep. through dirt water. People are blowing up rafts. People are laughing at fat guys. One dude has his arm <laughs> around two women. <laughs> like, it's, like all the fun is happening at this place. And also there for the fun is the colonel and eyebrow scientist who are turning up to talk to the manager. So two girls have taken out a guy water skiing. Some other people are out scuba diving. One of them gets got immediately. What is it's happening? It's a river. Why are people scuba diving? Yeah, that was weird. What's happening? It was so it was like weird. like Evil Knievel in a speedboat later on with a, a literal helmet because <laughs> yeah. he's ramping <laughs> off of things. It's a river. Running into boats. What? There's chaos on this I don't river. know where this is meant to be set. Is this meant to be set in Texas? Because if so, I guess you're pretty... Yeah. It is. Yeah. He has the Texas belt buckle, belt buckle and all the cars are Texas. Texas. I mean, is this... Yeah. And there's like Lone Star beer everywhere. Again, we went around in the 70s, yeah. but I can, Im I can imagine you get it. You're pretty landlocked. No. No. I mean, not the scuba diving. There are not people in full scuba <laughs> gear going over. Yeah. Like, I can imagine teens snorkeling or something, maybe. Well, but when that happened, guy, he has an actual helmet <laughs> on. This guy who's ramping around in a boat. Like, when they were doing? scuba diving, I was waiting for them to reveal that it was some officials who knew what was going on and they were trying to, like, find a way nope. to stop it or, like, gauge how many there were or if they were in the area. But no, they're just. Nope. Recreational, sc recreationally scuba diving. Yeah. But the, my problem with this, though, is like this stuff is so expansively great that it may. I've gotten used to the limitations of this movie, and then suddenly the scope widens, and it makes me want a bigger movie because then I'm like, oh, this could have been much bigger, but it couldn't because they had no budget. Well, I have good news for you, Al. There's more. There is more. Oh, films, you mean? Yeah. Yes, there, yes. Are, there are more films, it's true. By the way, so many extras, they were all paid $5 a day and given a lunchbox. <laughs> That's how they did this scene. A lunchbox? Woo! Yeah. Well, Was there deal. lunch in it? What was in it? I feel it? like just lunch is what's meant by was a lunchbox. Was it empty? Just like they were given lunch. Oh. 
You're not like, an actual take-home piranha-themed tin lunchbox. Sadly, no, not much merchandising going on with this film. Um, somehow the bad. scuba divers don't notice that their buddy gets killed, but then the water skier sees the dead body, immediately seems to know it was done by piranhas because <laughs> he doesn't want no, the girls No, he to- didn't. He just said, I don't want to be in the water. Like he was like saying, why? he's like, drop me off. But then when they slow down, he's like, no, 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 don't slow down as if he knows something's going to get him. Well, you he heard the, the sound of the, the fish coming and I don't know if it was meant to feel like he was getting bitten <laughs> by something. Oh, okay. So like he is kind of an Olympic slalom skier. This guy was a badass. I don't oh, know yeah. who he is. So he knows yeah. what, he knows what's happening in the water. <laughs> he's so. aware. He's too yeah. terrible <laughs> ladies driving him around. So bad. We had an enormous explosion. Which, yeah, is made to look bigger through repetitive sort of editing of it from different angles. But it's completely not expected for me in this movie. This is what I mean. It's like suddenly I'm like, fuck, there's a lot happening suddenly. Yep. You got a girl on the beach reading Moby Dick, which I guess is meant to, like, it doesn't mean anything though. It's like, sure, there's water in Moby Dick. (laughs) I don't feel (laughs) the themes of the book are reflective in this movie. but Yeah. Yeah. uh, Unlike our movie where we also have a girl reading Moby Dick. People start dying. One guy. Did you notice the guy who dies? He was definitely showing his O face. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> I it. it's so funny. It's so so funny. But yeah, again, there are no fake outs here. There's no defying or subverting our expectations. It's very much just what it is. You know, just mayhem. But yeah. that said, it keeps going, and it's a fucking cool scene with just so many extras, so much crazy stuff going on, some good fast editing. And yes, I think this is where we get, because let's count them. Normally, George Corman likes three pairs of boobs. Sorry, Roger Corman likes three pairs of boobs. We've got the ones at the beginning. We've got the ones that weren't really hers. The tent. And then a piranha eating a girl's bikini top off. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Had to get it in. (laughs) That bit I did have to rewind, because I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I had to go back and check what I just saw. so sad that if you're like, I'm going to, yes, I'll take my top off, but only to have like plastic fish then attack my tits (laughs) (laughs) underwater, (laughs) and there'll be blood. (laughs) So weird. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, get used to this kind of thing as we go into into the remakes. (laughs) I'm on board. I'm fine with it. (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) The colonel falls in just out of nowhere. He gets got. You think he would fucking know better. Well, he he was he fell in from trying to push people off of his raft thing. Yeah, but it's like he wouldn't have gone the raft to begin with. Like, there's no way he would have gone in that little boat. Like, uh, it's just ridiculous. I don't know. And the new plan now is all right. Let's pollute the entire river from the smelting plant that he used to work. So it's all coming back. You see, everything ties in. But when they get there, <laughs> it was flooded, and the control room is underwater yeah. somehow. Yep. Okay. They, they opened the Climate dam. Change. They opened- the lakes are rising. They oh, opened true. the dam. Oh, they opened the dam. Yeah, but how did they yeah, use to they run it? they didn't open the dam. <laughs> well, yeah, they didn't. And also, if they did, surely they used to. It also looked like it had been underwater for years. Yeah. Well, you couldn't work there. when. Other than the beer that was still standing. Yeah. It's a sturdy beer. So he fucking... Because that wouldn't have fallen over He with fucking water. comes up with a crazy plan. He's going to get her to tie a tow line to his chest, tells her to count to 100... Originally, it was meant to be 300, but then they're like, yeah, you'd probably die. <laughs> no one, who holds their breath for 300 seconds? Exactly. That's a long time. Yeah, it's going to count for 100, and then she's just going to like get out of there on the, on the speedboat. 
no matter whether he's dead or what's going on. This sort of stuff bothers me in movies. He then jumps in the water and holds his breath immediately. You don't need to hold your breath until you're right up next to the building. You could swim to the building and then hold right. your breath. Yeah. But hey, why bring logic in at this point? What a hero. And we get this nice shot as he breaks in, the glass moving through the water towards the camera. It's actually nicely shot underwater, I find. Yeah, it's good. And then he tries to turn the crank, but hey, those piranhas, they know what he's up to. So they yeah. start nibbling away and it's pretty nasty. It, makes, <laughs> it actually made me, this is the only bit that made me really cringe. He's just fucking taking it. <laughs> yeah. He does it, of course, just in time, gets that crank going. She speeds off when she reaches 100, drags him to safety, albeit scarred over his body for life. Oh, yeah. Face, <laughs> like, hands, the whole thing. He is. Yeah. He's going to sadly be a mess for the rest of his life. I do like his bloody hand rising up out of the water. <laughs> <Just> like, <"Wah!" laughs> But meanwhile, the resort is a fucking massacre. We're cutting to all these bodies just laying out on the ground. All those kids earlier, now way more of like adults as well as kids. What does the mayor's PA say where he's like, the guests are the guests. And he's like, what about it? He's like, they're being eaten or something like that. But he says it so matter of factly. <laughs> like we knew it was going to happen. We, we, we projected for this. Well, sir. And then this is the, I mean, this is the weird thing. Eyebrow Doc is lying to the TV crews, telling them no piranhas can survive in salt water. And then she smiles at the camera. And then yep. we get to see the ocean. It's absurd. And it turns red to tell us, yes, they have got to the ocean. And then credits. We don't get any reuniting of the father and his daughter. Because let's face no. it, they don't want to show the reality of what that father now looks like. Right. <laughs> We don't get anything with Maggie or like reporting. Like, we get nothing. Like, not even a phone call to the people who sent her there to begin with to say, oh, by the way, your kids are dead <laughs> from mutant piranhas. The dead don't get any calls, any burials, nothing. When they die by piranhas, They just that's drop it. the yep. mic on this. They're in nature now. Um, yeah. Let's be honest. This is a, I mean, I know I'll lead to technically survive and the daughter does, but this is a bleak ending. So many people have died. We know so many more people are going to die. There's an evil scientist out there with wiggly eyebrows. It's a it's a terrible world. <laughs> Not to mention the the fish in the ocean that are going to yeah. get murdered. What about whales? Let's talk true. about the whales. It's very sad. Let's talk about the whales. All right. So before <laughs> we get to our thoughts, I do a little bit of trivia for you. The noise that the piranhas made was actually done with dental drills. Oh, nice. Yeah, works nicely. Did they use the sound of babies crying at the end after the water's being polluted when he successfully turns the knob? Did you hear no, that? I didn't hear that. It does sound like, like really it. faintly in the background. It sounded like there were babies crying. Oh I was like, is that meant to be the piranhas dying? Oh my god! No, I did not hear that. It's weird. Uh, when they were shooting in a tank, they would actually shoot an Olympic swimming pool to do some of this stuff. And they found they tried so many different ways to make it look like you were underwater. And top tip, because they tried it all, tried all the dirts and stuff. They found the best way to do it is you use, even in an Olympics pool, all you need is a quart of milk. And it makes the whole place just look cloudy enough. Although the hmm. Olympic team Ew, would So practice. those people had to swim in milk water? No, they would have changed. Oh, yeah, those the actors did. Yeah. Lots of fake blood, lots <laughs> <Really>? of milk. <laughs> and apparently the Olympic team who were training there then failed. <laughs> they think they messed them up with the blood and stuff that had been in the pool. <laughs> so... Universal Studios so, 
were releasing Jaws 2 the same summer and they actually started a lawsuit against this film, which is kind of crazy considering how many ripoff films there are. But Spielberg is the one who saved this film. Spielberg came out in defense of the film, stopped Universal from trying to sue them, and he has himself called it the best of the Jaws ripoffs. He thinks this is the greatest one. It had very mixed reviews upon release. Roger Ebert mocked the film for its really bad special effects. Siskel objected to the use of women and children in the attacks, but many others enjoyed it for the pulpy fun it was, despite its obvious restrictions. That's what they thought back then, but I honestly don't know what you guys think right now. So, how do we feel about (laughs) Piranha 1978? There are definitely good things and bad things. I think overall the story is absurd. (laughs) Like, there's... Not just the storyline itself, just the lack of information and background that we're just told these characters are in certain professions and just assume we just believe that they are qualified, which every action that they do mostly proves that they're not. Their chemistry with each other is very weird. There were multiple times throughout watching the movie that Katie and I were like, they are pulling so much from Jaws. It's hilarious. I will say the editing and some of the shots looked better than I assumed going into it, especially after seeing the titles of the next movies and kind of gauging what the tone of this was going to be like. There were some, like the shot of the camp counselor disappearing through the blood was cool. Betsy. Betsy, that's right. But yeah, I think if anyone were to ask me if they should watch it, I would say no, just watch Jaws because Jaws is way better. (laughs) I think that's fair. (laughs) I think if I had watched this alone... I would be angrier right now, but because I watched it with Katie, we were laughing at it together. But again, I probably wouldn't go back and rewatch it to have fun. I would just watch Jaws. Yeah, I mean, I think this might be the first time we've covered a franchise where all of them are going to be B-movies. We're not going to get to that. We're going to start with that. Like These are all B-movies, just maybe slightly different flavors of B-movies. We'll see how that goes. So yeah. I think that's understandable. I'll be interested at the end with the rankings, like how you think back on this one, (laughs) because we're going to get a lot of different flavors of the same kind of thing. Yeah. If anything, if if that versus bits that we've done, like the whole franchise of the 80s versus 2000s versus Tommy anything, it's that this is probably the best one that we're going to be watching. (laughs) Buckle up, Allie. We'll see. Oh, boy. So I'll bring alcohol for the you, next one. I know. I, even in this one, I was like, man, we really should have had more booze. <laughs> so at the beginning of this one, I was very nervous. And again, I was vaguely remembering it, but I had not remembered the lack of or whatever, if you want to call it chemistry between our two leads. I did find her role refreshing, though, overall. I mean, it's kind of what we were discussing before. And as far as it wasn't a bimbo, but it wasn't. I know everything because I'm a woman. It was that like sweet spot pre 80s, late 70s where women were more like naturally pretty and could kind of do some things, but weren't, you know, GI Janes at this point. And then I really loved the action once it did happen. I thought it was extremely gutsy to have that whole scene with the kids. I mean, I'm all for nudities, for nudities. nudity many nudities many nudities please for these films especially like i want nudity and i want blood so i'm all about roger corman whether i knew that before this moment or not like the acting is not good the story is not good but the action itself 
I really love in this film. It's a very basic concept. And that's all I want from these genre films of this time period is it's like, just go with giving people what they want, which you're going to see a horror movie called Piranha to see piranhas eat a bunch of people. That's it. And like, do it well. And I think that they did an okay job. It's all over the place as far as story goes. Like, you don't need people on rafts. You don't need this guy diving into control (laughs) panel rooms. There's just so much that I'm like, I don't need any of that stuff. I just want this like shocky, yes, Jaws ripoff. But to me, it's not. I think it's a very different film than Jaws. So I would disagree if somebody was to ask me if they should see that. If they ask me, should I see this or Jaws? Then obviously I'm going to say Jaws. However, I think this was fun. I think it was a very different taste, no pun intended, than what you normally get from this era of film. So yeah. I was a fan overall. I would probably skip the first half hour, though, if I went back and watched it again. <laughs> well, yeah, so for me, like... I like the beginning and yeah, I like the end. The middle for me does slog. It's the raft section for me yeah. that does slog. <laughs> it's it's a frustrating movie because if it was more B-movie, it could be more fun. And if it was slightly better made, it could be a legitimately good movie. But there are just these glimpses in there. If it wasn't for having Joe Dante behind the camera and there are just these moments where I can tell this is a director who is learning what he wants to do but can do classically trained sort of filmmaking and yeah honestly the weird sort of chemistry between the leads that just feels strange but at least gives the film character and that's what a film b movies need they need some character wherever that's going to come from but if it wasn't for those two things i think this would be yeah just pretty dull but with a crazy crazy ending in terms of the amount of kills that happen so it does stand out. I, I understand why it's grown in cult status and I understand why some people really treasure it. I don't think anyone could, yes, even compare it to something like Jaws. Obviously, like it's not in the same bracket as that, but this is a B-movie and I think it's a good, fun B-movie. Unfortunately, it, it feels, even for a film that's only like an hour and 34 minutes long, it feels a little too long and I think it could have been shorter or just slightly better written. It's baffling that they didn't set up the whole thing that was going to happen at the park like that would have been so easy and would have added more acceleration to events it's baffling that they have to be on this very slow raft that makes absolutely no sense when they know the piranhas <laughs> in the water but hey that's the movie that we get and i don't absolutely love it and i certainly don't hate it i think it's a decent midnight movie and if you're into that kind of thing you should definitely check it out and it looks good now like it's been master- remastered nicely it had nice treatment to it so Guys, I'm going to tease next week's film in a second. But before we do, I didn't really do it properly at the beginning. Please, please do go to iTunes and subscribe to us. It's it's the only way you can help us because we do all of this stuff for free. And if you want to, you can go and support us by buying or renting or watching illegally our first feature film, Starfish. <laughs> if you go to starfishmixtape.com, then you can find out all the places that you can see that and judge and talk shit about our film and why someone reads Moby Dick in that. I'm Mr. Al White on all of the social medias and also on the Xbox if you want to play some of them video games and PlayStation. Allie, what about you? You're back on Twitter. I'm back on Twitter, but I keep forgetting that I'm back on Twitter. So you may as well just not follow me. (laughs) My Instagram is Allie Sue. If you care to follow me there. You have some lovely 35 millimeter photos. Yeah, very nice. Thank you. Katie Watson. I am my dearest Watson on most things, I believe. Oh, I think I'm at Watson Dearest on Twitter. So Twitter, I'm 
I'm more like funny. And then on Instagram, <laughs> it's all about food, food <laughs> photography. So either There's one, a- choose your choose your poison. Yeah, some great food photography as well. I recommend both of those Instagram accounts, even if I didn't know you. Okay, so next week we are going to... This podcast was longer than I thought it would be. I thought this they would be a short one. always are. And I'm particularly the first one. That happens every time. I'm particularly the first one. We've got to set everything up, our relationship with stuff, talk through the history and all that, all that bullshit. Who cares? Next week, Piranha 2, The Spawning, also known as... Is it Flying Fish? I think it is, whatever it's called. <laughs> so, I mean, spoilers. Well, they did mention that they were like salmon in this yeah, film. Spoilers. So. You're not going to be safe on land. Going to be week some leaping. <laughs> Better get Ooh. off that raft. Here's my hope. It's been a long Watch time out. since I saw part two. I'm hoping it's going to be so bad that it's going to be more fun. I'm hoping it's going to go all in on let's go crazy, more boobs, more blood, and let's make them fly. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. And I'm totally yeah. down for that. Definitely going to have booze at that one yes. then. The, for sure. um, the big thing about next week's film is it is the directorial debut of James Cameron. So we've gone from Joe Dante, a great director, oh, to James Cameron, shit. the most successful director. He loves he the ocean. He loves it so much. And the film is most famous for being his first film and a film that he walked off of. So we will talk about that next week. I am... Um, more excited for this now <laughs> honestly i mean it like nearly every week we've got an interesting director to talk about um so i'm excited to do that until next friday though we are out have a lovely week geeks geeks geeks